Hey everybody, this is the Unredacted Podcast, the Town Hall VIP podcast from Kurt Schlichter that uh, that uh, says uh, screw you to political correctness and to the FCC compliance rules. I may swear a little, I may swear a lot, we don't know. I may get a little wild, I may get a little crazy today, I don't know. By the way, I'm testing out a new microphone and it looks like it's a very hot mic. So I'm trying to... Uh, Let's figure this out. Okay, all right, this this looks good. This looks like a good setting. Looks like where we're supposed to be. Okay, great. See, that's the great thing about the Unredacted Podcast with Kurt Schlichter for you Town Hall VIP members. You get to see the sausage being made. And of course, this is the sausage. So let's get this sausage party started. Wait a minute, that doesn't, that's not right at all. Okay, topics, topic number one, the National Guard. Holy crap, what the hell was that clusterfuck on Capitol Hill? They showed all these pictures of guardsmen strewn about the uh, marble floors, people stepping over them, rifles piled here and there. Most of the troops look like shit. Not all of them, some of them look good, but look, it's hard to look, it's hard to look sleek and ready for action when you're wearing cold weather gear, right? You always look a little bit like the Michelin Man. Way too many of those troopers looked like they were in Colonel Vinman's battalion, okay? Uh, you know, uh, they, I, I don't know. Have they instituted second breakfast? There were just a lot of them who looked like their uniforms were thrown at them and uh, looked like, uh, uh, you know, they, they, their battle buddy was a carbohydrate. It was not good. Okay, it was not good. Uh, having troops lie around on the cold marble for no apparent reason. You know, we, we've got cots, folks. My guys always had cots. I mobilized about 1,300 guys for the San Diego fires in a very short time, and all my guys had cots. I know, because I had a cot, too. I slept outside with them in a sleeping bag, which every single one of them has. On a sleeping mat, which every single one of them has. Okay, there is no excuse for the cluster that we saw in the Capitol. There's a reason, though. The reason was they wanted compelling photographs and video for people who didn't know what the fuck they were looking at. And I, I guess they got it. But a lot of us, all, our vet, all us vets were going, what the fuck? Don't you guys have sergeants? Don't you have officers? I mean, you don't. Okay. Let's understand what military discipline is. It is not about marching around on a parade field looking good for the general, okay? That is not the reason you have military discipline. You have military discipline for several reasons. First, you want to instill an attention to detail because attention to detail is critical. It means you don't forget something. It means you don't miss something. It means you take all contingencies into account. Uh, attention to detail also provides a way to ensure that you're doing the basic things that you need to do to maintain an operational unit. For instance, when you are camping out in the woods, right, you want discipline. And that includes, yeah, you, you want people in a specific place for a couple of reasons. Safety. If you have vehicles moving out there, you want to be able to uh, uh, mark off an area where the vehicles can't go into and where people are. So, yeah, look, people get killed. You know, you you grab your sleeping bag, you get out of the sleeping area, and someone rolls over you in an armor personnel carrier. That shit happens, okay? That's why you have discipline. Uh, people can't crap and piss wherever they want. That's discipline, too. Why not? Because everybody gets sick. 
Okay, illness and sickness are a real thing. And, and, and let's not even bring COVID into it. Did you see those guys lying around with each other? Yeah, they had their stupid masks on, but they're lying all over each other. I mean, it's, is that really where we want to be in this environment or in any environment? You don't pile people on top of each other if you can help it. And they could help it, folks. Here's what you do. If you need those guys on Capitol Hill, you get a bunch of tents. The army comes with tents, folks, and you put them up out in the front. And then you have spaced cots, okay, where, where, where people can keep their stuff because they've got stuff. Uh, and, you know, and it, it also they can be secure in small groups. You put a squad or a platoon or a section, whatever, in a tent, and then they leave somebody to watch it. So guns don't walk away. I'm sitting there looking at these M4s. They're rifles lying around, hither, tither, and yawn. And I'm just thinking, they better pray one of those doesn't go walking away. You lose a weapon, and that is un that that is a red alert, four star, shut the whole base down till we find the gun thing. Okay? That's not a that's not a oh well, write it off. That is a five alarm called three star. That is a big deal. So you had all these guys looking around, and they look like shit. Okay, normal sergeants allowed to do their job would not tolerate that. Uh, company grade officers shouldn't allow that shit. Maybe they were ordered to. I bet they were. I have no doubt that the civilian leadership, and I don't mean Trump, because let's not pretend that Trump controls the government, folks. That's not how it's working. Okay, that just, the, the idea that he was ever allowed to exercise the power that somebody elected president is entitled to exercise, is a joke. Don't make it to me because I'm not laughing. The fact is the civilian uh, uh, leadership wanted that. Now, you know why You know why I know they wanted it? Because like six miles away, there's a five-sided building called the Pentagon, full of like a hundred generals, all of whom saw this shit on TV and none of whom jumped in their freaking vehicle and came over and said, what the fuck is this clusterfuck? Okay. They didn't want it fixed. They thought it looked good. Now, what what were they supposed to be doing with this? Well, it was an information operation. Okay. You don't need 20,000 troops to secure an inauguration, but they had it. That's two divisions. We have, I believe, 12 active and eight reserve divisions in the Army. So that's 10% of our equivalent to 10% of our divisional strength, though there's a lot of forces outside divisions. It was overkill. It was an information operation. Part of it was to say, we desperately need these because of the threat of white supremacist guys dressed as Vikings, all 100 or 200 of them. Yeah, that's nothing. But it was to pretend that there was a giant threat out there, when in reality there is no giant threat out there. The second thing was, uh, it was to show you we have the power to... You know, we, we've got the military and we're, we're willing to use it. And looking at those guys, as vets are like, I don't see those particular troops as like Delta Force, more like Delta Farce. I mean, a lot of them look like shit. And I look, I never blame the enlisted soldiers. I blame their officers and uh, uh, any NCOs who participate in it. I suppose the NCOs going, sir, this is dicked up. Let me fix it. No, sergeant. Get out of the way of the CNN camera. Uh, it was 
supposed to scare people. And if you're a military guy, you're looking at this going, These, this is not an impressive unit. Now, some people, and it pisses me off, will go, well, they're just National Guardsmen. Let me tell you something. I led National Guardsmen, and my guys were not dicked up. My guys were squared away. Oh, sometimes they looked like shit in the sense that they were dirty, in the sense that their gear was taped together, uh, you know, ta stuff taped on it to silence it and stuff. They may have, there, there's a difference between looking rough like you've been in the field and looking rough and ready, uh, uh, but being rough and ready. And looking like you just came out of the chow hall and someone threw your Gore-Tex at you. Okay, a lot of these guys didn't look good. There were a few guys in there. I was like, okay, that guy looks squared away. He's got that lean look. He's got that, you know, he's got a sense of moving with a sense of purpose. A lot of those, a lot of them were just kind of sitting there. And uh, I'll say a lot more fat, okay? Fat soldiers, I guess, are now tolerated because they can't enlist anybody. But that doesn't, that, I'm not being fat phobic, people, all right? If you want to balloon into a, a, a giant uh, a Hindenburg, that is your business uh, and your risk. And I, right now, I, you know, as a, a retired guy, I've been out six years. I don't meet army weight standards. If I had to go back in, I would be very hungry for a while. But uh, when I was in, I met my army height weight standards, and I expected my men to, not because... I want them to look good for the sake of looking good. I want them to present a disciplined military appearance. That was one factor. I wanted them to be healthy. That was another factor. I wanted them to be able to perform their job, right? If you're carrying an extra 30 pounds, that's 30 pounds you can't carry on your back in a pack in a combat situation. That matters, that's a lot of ammo, folks. And as my hero in the uh, uh, Kelly Turnbull series of novels, which you should be reading, Crisis is the latest one, and I'm reading, uh, writing The Split now. I'll talk about that later, maybe. Uh, you can never have too much ammo. You are not... It, 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 people, people who are overweight get injured more. They are less effective. They are slower. It's just bad. Part of being in the military is the discipline to maintain a level of physical fitness. And I got to tell you, a lot of those guys weren't. Now, I know that COVID is cutting into people's uh, ability to exercise. I, I get it. It's hard. So what? You do, you, you know, people thank you for your service when you're in the military because you choose to do hard things other people won't. And if uh, avoiding the COVID-19 pounds is one of the hard things, that, that you got to do that. You've got to do that. It's just you, you you can't be a fat soldier, except now you can. And a lot of these guys were. They just were not impressive. That is not representative of the Guard. A lot of people are, well, just weekend warriors. No, no, no. These guys deploy a lot. They do a lot of training. A lot of them are prior, what's called prior service. That is like me. I came into the Guard after uh, four years, about three and a half years in one war. Uh, so, I, I mean, I showed up at the uh, uh, Guard unit with a with a, what they call a combat patch, though my combat was uh, non-existent. I ran a heavily armed car wash. Uh, some uh, uh, some idiot on Twitter was like, you were just a REMF, R-E-M-P, or R-E-M-F, which is rear echelon motherfucker. And I was like, that's bullshit. I was behind the REMFs. It's, you know, it, yeah, but I still had a lot of experience. I knew 
how to operate on active duty. I knew how to operate in the field. I had. I lived in the I lived in the desert for six months with my guys. You know, you get a lot of training, a lot of experience. The guard has that. I remember when I went to the uh, I joined the guard right before the LA riots. And during the LA riot, you know, I'm sitting there and I was seven core. I had been seven core. And, you know, I got there, my uniform squared away, it's iron, my boots are shined. I looked good when the riot started. A lot of my guys came in and they kind of looked a little raggy. But they moved with a purpose and they got shit together. They were fast. They all knew their stuff because they'd worked together forever. They knew their equipment because they'd been on that truck for like five years. So they knew everything about that truck. Everything worked. You don't get that necessarily in an active duty unit because no one's been there more than two and a half years. Right? People rotate in and out. In the Guard, people stay there. They build bonds. They know their equipment. They're very, very good. They, you know, they may be a little heavier. Their haircuts may be a little worse. Uh, but they, uh, and they're all, all, most of them are a little older. But that's made up for it. I, I didn't see the good part of the Guard in evidence here in some of the guys. And the organization, the fact that they're lying on marble without, you know, every one of them gets a sleeping bag, guys. Every one of them. Every one has a sleeping mat. Every supply room has plenty of cots. There is zero reason they had to do that, except they wanted the photo op. And I find that disgraceful. I find that freaking obnoxious. Uh, they did not present a great military image. A lot of people were also pointing out, hey, where are the magazines and their rifles? I am not going to talk to you about what's called arming orders. That is stuff having to do with ammunition or rules of engagement, which is... Uh, things having to do with when you can use deadly force. I'm not going to talk about any of that stuff. That's not for sharing. I am going to tell you, people noticed that. People were talking about that issue, and people were kind of scratching their heads about it. Are, were they sending out the message they wanted to? I don't think they were, because this wasn't a particularly impressive group the way that they were handled. I Again, don't blame the troops. It's never the troops' fault. No, the troops are never bad. The officers and sometimes the NCOs are bad. Troops are never bad. So I'm looking at this Washington, D.C., and they're going to inaugurate this desiccated old zombie. And, you know, what if they gave an inauguration and nobody came? Well, we're going to find out. Now, a bunch of these troopers got ordered there. And I don't want to put words in their mouth, but a lot of them are going to be like standing at attention, rolling their eyes. It's... You know, it's ridiculous. The, the nice thing is we did find out a couple things. First of all, it's nice to see liberals supporting our military, sort of. You, you saw Nancy Pelosi came out and she gave pizzas to some of the baffled soldiers. And, of course, the soldiers, like, like you know, I'm not sure carbs were, like, the best gift. Uh, maybe a jump rope or something. But it, it's, it's nice to see that they're finally respecting our uh, guard. And I love the uh, whiplash of the New York Times about using the military against rioters. Remember, they uh, Tom Cotton wrote an op-ed on it, and half the place wanted to uh, resign because they allowed a they allowed a dissenting voice to, to you wait. Yeah, advocating using the guard in riots is 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 literally murdering us. Now it's like yay, yay. It's ridiculous. By the way, I've retained consistency. I don't think the Guard is an appropriate tool in most riots, or at least what we saw as riots this time. When you have a, a whole citywide thing like Los Angeles, and you literally have more rioters than cops, yeah, maybe. 
when you have uh, you know small downtown areas, that's that should be a police operation. And this should have been a police operation. Now, now National Guard does support these things normally, just not in this you know massive mobilization nonsense. And it's ridiculous. I love all these blue state governors. I'm sending my guard to help. Help what? I mean, really, let's analyze the threat. Do you expect, there's two divisions of guard there, right? In a defensive position, you usually, to attack it, you usually, back of the envelope principle, use three to one, right? Three times the force defending to take a position, okay? So Washington's being defended. It's got two divisions. Are you expecting six divisions, that is about 60,000 equally armed people, uh, to show up on Washington, I think that kind of mobilization might be noticed. No, they, they're not. We we had 300 people, some of whom were dressed as Vikings or bizarre shaman, I think. I, I want to be technically correct. Bizarre shamans. Um, and it's just ridiculous. It's just stupid. It, it It's such overkill. But we did learn now that Democrats like the military. That's Good, I guess. That's a nice change. Uh, they also like walls, right? They're putting walls up everywhere. They love walls now. Now, walls are good to go to protect them. Because remember, this none of this rioting became a crisis until it affected the establishment. Then it became a crisis. That's not a defense of it. That's just an observation and a statement of objective fact. And... Walls now work when it comes to them. You know, if we had a real media, which we do not, we would see this hypocrisy highlighted because it should be highlighted because it is hypocrisy. Instead, we have, you know, our media. Let me talk about the media for a second. It's a bubbling cauldron of shit. It's a reeking cesspool of dung and pretension. I'm I'm sitting there looking at reporters celebrating censorship. I'm looking at writers celebrating censorship. There's even comics. I'm always fighting on Twitter with some forgotten hack who likes censorship. I was like, huh, so you're kind of, you know, you, you don't want to say anything that will offend the status quo. You're not Lenny Bruce. You're kind of Irma Bombeck. He was like not happy about that. But it's true. These folks have decided that the role of the writer and the journalist and the artist is to confirm and defend the establishment's narrative. Yeah, that's a thing. And they, and they don't, and they make no bones about it. They're, they're for this. This is okay with them. They want this. It, 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 it's kind of remarkable how the concept of free speech that made all of them possible it is now waverable because orange man bad. Talk about pulling up the uh, ladder after you. Well, we've reached a position of power. Let's get that ladder up here. We climbed up to the top. Nobody's following. Now, pointing out hypocrisy. Well, that's whataboutism. Well, whataboutism is a moral necessity. Uh, pointing out hypocrisy is not the end. It's important, though, because normal people see it, and they can smell the bullshit. So we've got to do it. But let's not pretend that we just point it out, and they're going to be shamed into 
hating censorship. They're not. Remember, they're for it solely because they think they can be the censor. But of course, history doesn't work like that. History doesn't always cooperate with the bad guys. It doesn't cooperate with the people who start the fight. I was in, uh, you know, I was in Kosovo, 2004-2006, and what happened there was the Serbians, after Yugoslavia fell apart, the Serbians in Kosovo, which was half mostly Albanian but partially Serb, uh, decided, you know, we're not going to live together anymore because Tito didn't put to get put up with that separatist bullshit. We're we're going to start hassling the Albanians, and they did, and it you know hassle them unofficially, then officially start driving them out of the country. And they thought this was great because they were winning. And then NATO intervened for the Kosovars, and it was the Serbs who had to leave. And I walked through their ruined villages. It didn't work out the way they thought. They un- they popped the cork on the genie in the bottle. And that genie did not necessarily share their game plan. That's what these guys are doing here. Okay? I saw some fat guy on Twitter who was saying, Ron Paul, Rand Paul's neighbor's a hero. And I'm thinking, you sure you want to normalize violence? Because I think that's a bad idea. I think that that really relies on the assumption that people you like are the only ones capable of doing violence. You don't want to normalize this stuff. We have a constitution. We have ways that we should, and and civil rights, process procedures and norms we should be using to resolve our differences. Dude, do not normalize violence. Do not make it okay. But they simultaneously will scream about it as being bad when when it's against them and clap like trained seals when it's by their people. In contrast, us conservatives were decrying it when they did it and decrying it when the guy, the, the you know, the, the shaman and the rest of the uh, uh, knuckleheads did it on Capitol Hill. Okay. You know, at least we're not hypocrites. But hypocrisy doesn't work because eventually people go, okay, this isn't working for me. If I don't have the benefit of the same rules, I'm not going to play by an old set of rules that has been supplanted. I will not accept a permanent disadvantage. And why should they? It's not right. It's not fair. It's not remotely reasonable to expect humans to do that. So don't start something. If you want to make your point, there's plenty of ways. There's a constitution over there. It's full of, chock full of great ways to resolve your differences that don't involve knocking your neighbor out and breaking his ribs. And if you advocate that, I don't understand why you would be surprised that the the folks whose ribs you want to break go, oh, okay, well, that's the rule. God, and then you get chaos. And I've seen the result. You don't want that. You don't need that. You can't have that. Don't be stupid and end up getting what nobody really wants. But leave our idiot establishment to pick the very worst possible choice at any juncture. Whenever there's a wrong decision to be made, you can count on them to make it. The people who rule over us or purport to are uh, dumb, incompetent, corrupt, and unbelievably arrogant for no reason. Uh, We have never had a ruling class so arrogant 
and yet so unaccomplished. I mean, these people are idiots. What have they done right? In the last 20 years, what is the great achievement that our ruling class has given us? Wall Street meltdown? Iraq? What's the achievement? Obamacare? <laughs> there goes a tumbleweed. So I'm writing these books, starting with People's Republic and moving on with Indian Country and uh, Wildfire and uh, what's the other one? Collapse and there's Crisis. That was a new one. Got to 29 on Amazon. I'm writing The Split now. It's about America splitting into red and blue. And uh, it's action-packed conservative stuff. And uh, I'm going to be talking to some, uh, I, I already have in the past, I'm going to talk to some more people about uh, maybe bring it to the screen if we can figure out how to do that. But uh, I'm writing the split. Split's good. Coming out in May. I'm going to start cranking these out a little faster. This one is just, I've just got a lot of ideas for the split, and I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm, uh, I'm ready to rock and roll on that one. But uh, I'll be writing that a little more today. i got some stuff to do, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock that out. i got a great scene I want to write, and just shooting and making fun of liberals, and it's all going to be amazing. So there you go. I've been doing that. So if you want that. And here, here's a special thing. If you, you got my super secret email, kurt.schlichter at townhall.com. If you want a signed copy, send me an email. And we'll talk about how we can do that. Because I've got, I finally went out. I got a big pile of books. So I can make that happen if you want. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, check out my community at locals.com. That's Dave Rubin's thing. And I'm, I've created the Schlichter Arena. See, works with Irina. The Schlichter Arena, and people can come in there and uh, do stuff. I do little videos and things for people and stuff, and it's fun. So you can check that out. So anyway, I'll be back next week on uh, whatever this is. What is this? Oh, it's Unredacted, the Town Hall VIP podcast with Kurt Schlichter. Thanks for listening. I hope you, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Bye-bye.